So for the previous three weeks, we've talked through maturity in Christ, what it looks like when we're built up the right way, when we take in the right things, and when we become mature in Christ, what the outcome looks like. And today I want to deal with perhaps the hardest thing for us as Christians to kind of get in our minds. We've been praying about it. You've seen it exhibited today. And it's something that I think as Christians we continuously work on because it's something we don't ever really come to an end with. Remember we started talking about if you took a tree and you cut a section out, you could see the rings. You could see the seasons where it took in lots of water, seasons that it didn't, where the seasons were long and when the seasons were short. When it seemed like all the things were right for the tree, remember we talked about this tree in particular, the eye of the tree, the center is on this side of it, it's not centralized. So we don't know what really happened. Maybe there was a dark darkness on this side and it grew this way away from that other tree. We don't really know what encountered its lifetime, but we do know this. Whatever occurred in their life shaped this tree to be what it is. And we know this. I can't tell you your life story. I know some of you, and I've got to share times with you where I've got to hear your background or where you grew up. But no matter what, one thing I do know for certain is this. While you may be able to hide your full story from me, God sees this. He knows exactly how you're shaped in your inner being. He knows exactly what you look like for real. I mean, we can give false pretenses all the time. I, I have the privilege right now of teaching uh, the junior class students Bible at Sanjak. Uh, started a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about teachers at school, and one of them said, man, this one teacher, I just don't line up with them. And I said, why? And they said, they always acts like they have it together. They never have a bad day. So we can show an outside of our tree, can't we? We can put up that happy face. Maybe you walked in with it today on the drive over. You were arguing with each other. The kids weren't listening. They spilled milk in the back seat. You're angry, and you walked up to the front door, and they opened the door, and you went like this. Oh, okay, How are you? <laughs> Blessed be thy name. And boy, you grabbed your bulletin, and you walked in. Maybe you sat down in the sanctuary, and you're like, isn't this lovely? And in your mind, you're thinking, if that pastor preaches for more than 20 minutes today, I promise you, I will not sing the final song. <laughs> I'm so tired of him just preaching and preaching like it's never going to end. Does he not have a watch? I do. I cover it up. Uh, <laughs> in fact, the screens will just go off if I keep preaching too long. So, But today I want to talk about that that thought of Christian maturity that we don't talk about often, and it's this. You cannot, and I cannot, be good enough or act right enough to receive eternity with God. There's a lot of fake trees hoping they can reach to the heavens, and they're not getting there. They're just not making it. They're trying everything they can with all of their own strength and all their own power to make it to heaven. And some way they think if they just do enough good, that's got to be good enough for God. Let me just tell you what's good enough for God. The blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. You can't bring good enough to the table. It doesn't work. Let me give you a for instance. When I was in college, I did revivals constantly through the summer. Everywhere we went, we had two food groups, pizza and spaghetti. Because I think that's a given. Anywhere you go to a church, if they have spaghetti, it has to be spiritual. And let me just tell you what I've learned about spaghetti. 
Spaghetti is not good. Now, you may, I know what you're saying right where you are. He hasn't had my spaghetti. Yes, I have. You know what's in your spaghetti? Hamburger meat, sauce, and noodles. You can put anything else you want in it. Doesn't make it any better. It still tastes like, no, death. It tastes like death. And I wasn't like that when I started. I've grown up a preacher's kid most of my life, which meant that I went to a million potlucks. You know what you eat at potluck? Spaghetti. Spaghetti. And it's safe because it tastes like spaghetti. Because there's some things that show up at potluck that you don't know what it is and you don't know what it's going to taste like. But spaghetti you could always trust until you eat it every night a week for about three months. And then it stops tasting like spaghetti. Then it just starts tasting like spaghetti. Did you know they can spaghetti? That's like taking something bad and putting it in a can and giving it to you. No, it's like spam. Any of y'all like spam, you're wrong. Uh, It's not the way God intended it or you could cut it off of a cow. Spam. No, it doesn't happen. But see, some of us are going through the spaghetti of faith. Well, everybody's got it. Everybody does it. Everybody does this. Everybody looks like that. And we've modeled after that. But we're not getting it. We're not capturing it. And listen, we've been in 2 Corinthians. I want us to go back to 1 Corinthians today. 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 50. It says this. What I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not fall, all fall asleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. For this incorruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory, where death is your sting. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Listen, at some point in your life, something's going to have to take place. At some point in your life, you're going to have to change the box that you were born with because what the best that we can do is make the outer box, make it look good. When I was growing up, they released a cereal. It was Mr. T Cereal. And in fact, the commercial went like this. I pity the fool that doesn't eat Mr. T cereal. Y'all ever got Captain Crunch before? And your sibling gone in and got all the crunch berries out before you could get to it? That was Mr. T cereal. It was Captain Crunch without the goodness. It was just little floating teas in a mountain of milk. They were terrible. It didn't last, but you know why it didn't last? It was horrible on the inside. The outside was awesome. Cartoon Mr. T, gold chains, pointing at you, saying, I pity the fool. 
You would pour it out and you would say it. I pity the fool that don't eat this. And after it, you're like, I pity me. <laughs> That's how it is. That is exactly the existence of a human outside of the love of Jesus. Because when Jesus isn't the Lord of our lives, the best we can do is have an outer look that people are attracted to. Do you know the Mr. T cereal? There's like 18 boxes on planet Earth that have not been opened. It's the best versions of Mr. T cereal there is out there. No one's eating it. They're collector's items. Like, you know, fur babies, whatever those things were. These little Mr. T cereals sitting on people's shelves somewhere, collecting dust. You see, our best that we can offer, even inside of those that attend church regularly, the best that we can offer is an outer box, and we can make anything we want on it. It changes all the time. Wait for the next movie to come out that's a sensation. They're going to make a cereal. It's going to be terrible on the inside. The outside's always going to change. That's what happens. As time goes on, the outer box keeps changing, but the inner box stays exactly the same. There was a time, though, that somebody decided they were going to try something different. They invented this cereal. It was fruit-flavored, and it was a mistake. They were running it down the conveyor belt, and instead of being circles, it came out flat and kind of shaped like that. They went to their boss and said, man, I made a massive mistake. And the boss said, well, there's tons of it out there. You might as well sell it. And so he went to all the distributors, and he said, I need a character for the box and no one would take it. He tried all the popular cartoons at the time. No one would take it. And he was sitting at home one day, and he was watching TV with his kids. And he looked at the television, and there was a rerun on TV, The Flintstones. And so he ran in, and he got the rights to put Fred Flintstone on the front of a box. And man, let me just ask you this. As I was talking about that cereal, you could taste it, couldn't you? You know why? Because it doesn't taste like Mr. T cereal. It tastes good. It's fruit flavored. It's amazing. What's more is the boss came back to him and said, I don't know how you made that mistake, but you got to make more of it. And so they made not only that, but they made a chocolatey version. And they re-released it again. Brand new. You know how many outside boxes of Fruity Pebbles there's been? Like 20. You know what's never changed? Except for adding really terrible flavors like blue raspberry. No one needs that. The cereal. Because it's good. Isn't it funny that we keep trying to add to the Christian life all this stuff as though God needs us to be better than he's ever been. God has been good since the day he told Adam and Eve to get out of the garden. He's been good and he's never changed off of his goodness. He has stayed consistently the same. And the only thing he's asked of man is this. Model your life after me. Model it after me. Here's what it looks like. You've got to die. And so if you've got to die, you also have to raise again. But you can't do that, can you? So model after me. Let Jesus be the Lord of your life. Model after him. And it just keeps going. I want to ask you a question. Those of y'all that are old enough to play this game, think back 20 years from today. Do you look the same? You might have had some similarities, but if you're like me, you probably have less gray, less wrinkles, you know, less studly. 
Thank you. Uh, thanks, babe. She's like, yay. Anyways, um, but think back 20 years ago. And I just want to ask you a question. Was God good 20 years ago despite ourselves? Now our outer self has changed, hasn't it? We keep getting older. Things don't work like they used to. I've got to this new stage in my life where I'll be at the office typing something and Scott will say, hey man, can you come by my office? And I'll get up and I'll go, oh, what did I do? I was sitting here. I didn't do that 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I'd put my hands on my desk and flip my legs over. Now if I do that, I'm out of work for about three or four days trying to recover. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. Y'all ever had the mystery hurts? You know what I'm talking about? My, my brother-in-law had this the other day. Welcome to old manhood. We're just walking. It feels like your leg's going to fall out of your hip. You go, oh, whoa. What? Y'all felt this? Our outer self is going away, folks. Our time is ticking. Our clock is clicking. And because of that, as time keeps going, God is calling us more and more to himself and saying, capture this now. Had a great conversation this morning. I don't know where Jay Morrison's sitting in the sanctuary, but he said this to me this morning in life group. I wish I'd have known more about Jesus years ago. I'd have followed after him so much more than I have. Isn't that true of us? When we come to know Christ, we wish that we'd have caught that years ago. You students, y'all just had an amazing weekend. You heard speakers speak of this passion of letting the word talk. What does God have to say over issues in your life? And maybe, I hope this is true, that this weekend you kind of went, ah, oh, I didn't ever catch that. And you wish that you'd have heard that years ago. So you could have applied it already. Welcome to the human existence that God has been good since the beginning of our time, much less the beginning we can't even count. He is so good, and he wants to change our lives so much. But we've got to get over our outside box. We've got to kind of figure out it's not about the bark on your tree that matters. It's the guts. God cares about your inner being. He died not so that you would look better, but so that you would be better. Amen. He called you to be holy. And he didn't leave you to hope that you got this on your own. He is holy, and he called you to spend time with him. He is holy and he's calling you to himself. So when we see this incorruptible body, the best that we can offer, the worthlessness we carry, the best that we can give to God, he goes, hey, that's great. Thanks for all your stuff. I don't need it. I just want you to know that I love you so much that I sent Jesus for you. Not so that you could give me anything. God is not hoping that when we get to heaven, we bring a U-Haul of stuff. You ever move somebody that had stuff that was just broken? I know one time there was this family that called my dad and said, can you move us from an apartment to an apartment? And we walked in and, you know, my dad goes, let's, let's, you know, let's hurry and get this done. They have to be out by this time. So I run up and I grab a box. I put it to myself and I start to walk out the door and my dad goes, set it down. I was like, Okay, and so then he goes, don't hold those boxes like this. Hold those boxes like this. I said, why? And he goes, look inside. And so I looked inside, roaches. I started to think, okay, so you're telling me we're about to move these people from this apartment with roaches in their boxes to that apartment where they will soon have roaches. 
He goes, yep. So let me tell you what it looks like when you carry heavy boxes that you can't carry like this. It looks like this. And I did a lot of that. <laughs> and then every time you set the box down, you know what you do? <laughs> I don't know why. That's just what your body has to do. And listen, the best that we can offer God is boxes full of roaches. And he's asking you to give all of that up for something that lasts longer than you could imagine. Eternity with him. The greatness of knowing God is not calling us to heaven to enjoy the mansions. He's not calling us to heaven to enjoy the pearly gates or the streets of gold. God is not calling you to come join him in heaven so that you can see angels fly. All of that will seem worthless compared to the unimaginable presence of God. We just sang a song, and I, I've sung this song so many times in my life, and I, I don't know why I've missed this moment. It talks about the fact that God gave us Jesus now so that we can enjoy him in eternity later. Fulfillment in Christ today. He gave you Jesus for today. He's not just hoping you enjoy Jesus forever. He wants you to enjoy him today. Soak him in today. Love him today. I have a feeling that some of us are going to go to heaven and not know what to do. Because we've never enjoyed him now. We're just hoping that he'll change the outside of our box. But he's going for the guts of the box. He wants to change what's within you. Because what's outside is corruptible. Our flesh, man, don't you sometimes, I don't know if you've done this, pray that God would just burn away the flesh. God, if you could just take away me. Because I'm just broken and beat up and I'm so prone to do everything wrong. So God, if you could just take away all of Kyle and just leave you, that would be super beneficial. And that's exactly what God wants to do. He wants to wipe us clean and leave Jesus in place. I tell you, I've heard that idolatry is anything that we'd put on a shelf above the nature of Jesus. Anything, money, family, future. We set all these things on the top and we go, okay, God, I know you love these things. I know you love my family. I know you love my job. I know you love that I'm gonna leave something to my family because leaving an inheritance for your children is worthy. We, we see that in scripture. So I love these things and so God, would you bless them? And, and God goes, get rid of the shelf and I'll bless it. Because there is to be no other gods except me. No other gods before me. Let me be first and let me take care of the rest. But I gotta tell you what I think I'll put on my top shelf is not my family and not my profession and not my future. I tend to just put me there. God, I, I just want you to take care of me. Bless me. Take care of me. Love me. Do this for me. And the Lord goes, you see, Kyle, that's the problem. You're your greatest idol. You love what's in the mirror more than you love what's inside. And so Jesus constantly having to tell me, you're worshiping corruptible when incorruptible is waiting for you. That's true for all of us. In this room, God loves you so much that he doesn't leave you to just yourself. He doesn't want to hope that you can just get it right or do good enough. He knows you can't. You can't. You can't do good enough to outweigh your bad. He knows you can't even pull that off or he had given us away. He knows we're always prone to bad. We're always prone to sin. We're always prone to stumble. 
But let me tell you something. I don't know about y'all, but in my most broken moments, in my most sinful times, when I look to Jesus, he becomes that much sweeter to me. And I'm praying that for you guys this morning. That you would see that it's not about your outsides or your bark, but it is the very core of who God is calling you to be, that he's shaping you from the inner being. Day by day, he's renewing us. And he gives us a way to grow up in him. But then there's this amazing part in the scripture. Chapter 15, starting with verse 54. It says this. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, when we have traded us and we've put on Jesus, then the saying that is written will take place. And this is a promise from God. By the way, every promise of God in the New Testament that he gives to Christians is alive today for us. It's powerful, and I hope you capture it. He loves us so much. He keeps his promises, and it says this, death has been swallowed up in victory. Swallowed, it's gone. It can't sustain. Where death is your victory, 52 says. Where death is your sting. Now let me just tell you something I know for certain. One or two things is going to happen to every person on this planet. Either Jesus will return and he'll take everybody to judgment or you will die. Either way, you're going to face him. My plan in my life is this, and this is a Joshua statement for me. As for me and my life, I'm not even hoping that my personal self will make it. Because I've placed my hope and trust in Jesus. And he has made a promise that those that are in him, he will never put to shame. He will never leave them. He will never forsake them. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've had that moment in your life where you have seen that you're a sinner, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you can say, man, I get that. I have done stuff that I know that God would not want me to do. I've lied. I've stolen. I've cheated. I've done whatever sin is on your sin palette. Man, I know, Kyle, that's true of me. I've sinned, and, and man, I have not met that measure that God has for my life. And if you could say because of Jesus Christ dying for our sins, paying the price for our sins and trading our corruptible hearts for his incorruptible. If you could say, man, I, I know that Jesus died for my sins and I want to give away that old self. I want to repent. I want to throw all that old away and I want to put on the newness of Jesus. If that's true for you today, if that's true for you today, you can know him and the promise is he will love and take care of you. Here's the problem with it. Some of us have had experiences with God, but have never had this moment of pushing away the old and taking on the newness of Jesus. And there's an incompatibility of salvation that doesn't include giving away of sin and taking on the nature of Jesus. If you haven't done that, there's a truth that you need to know. You cannot be saved without a departure of sin and the newness and forgiveness of Jesus. Doesn't work. Which means this, if you've had an emotional moment and you've made a decision and it didn't include giving away of the old and taking on the new, you're not saved. You have to have Jesus as the forgiver of sins who changes our lives and leads us from that point on. That's salvation. Not just from your old sins, but from your future walk. 
Jesus doesn't just hope that you have a salvation moment. Salvation is not a moment. Salvation is a lifetime of saving God from ourselves. And one day when we get to be with him, that old self won't have a chance. Because incorruptibility can't be in heaven. It can't go there. Man, our formal struggles, our sin struggles, our wandering eyes, our lying tongues can't do it in heaven. Aren't y'all thankful? No more sin. No more suffering. No more tears. God is so good that he doesn't want to just save us now. He is preparing us now for a future with him. And we should soak up that enjoyment and time with him. So I want to end with this with y'all today. There's a few things that tells us at the end of chapter 15 that he, he's calling on the church at Corinth to understand. Paul's writing, he's like, in verse 58, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast. Don't lose this. Hold on. Be immovable. And keep working out Jesus in front of people because you know this. That your labor to the Lord or in the Lord is not in vain. Church, let me tell you today. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if he is the Savior of your life, it is your job from that day forward to share that saving knowledge with everybody else. I, I shared with y'all Kenny earlier up here. Let me tell you one thing I'm really proud about my brother-in-law about. He's, he's gone through a 12-step program. He can tell you every step verbatim right now. You know why? He lives in it. Every day he wakes up, he thinks about it. He's living it out. And if you sat with him, he would, he would walk you through it. And he wouldn't bat an eye. I promise you that. If you want a simple task, don't come to my brother-in-law, Kenny. Because he believes in where he's walking. And he trusts the fact the Lord is helping him through it. So if you're struggling, you need someone to talk to after church today, come find this man. But I want to tell you, he's not going to pat you on the back and go, let's hold hands and let's sing to each other. He's going to say, let's get it right and let's start right now. Let's get after it. Let's, let's take some steps. Let me just tell you, I believe that you and I in Christ have been given so much and poured into so much. And yet we won't share it with anybody. And I believe the reason we don't is because we don't live in it. If we lived in the love and passion of Jesus, we couldn't help but share it. And so today I want to ask you, saved people and, and, and family of mine in this room, if you haven't shared your faith, you have to ask the question, am I actually living it? If the loving grace of Jesus over a sinner who has no purpose and plan, no reason why God who is holy should love them at all, and that's me, a corruptible man who is so prone to sin. If that loving God can love me and forgive me, man, I should tell everybody else about it, and so should you. So maybe today is this. If you don't know Jesus, today's your day. You need to come and you need to talk to somebody this morning. You need to let them know that you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and quit dilly-dallying along. Quit faking it, because you may can tell everybody else that you got it all put together, but God sees your heart. Quit waiting. Quit dragging your feet, and today make it known, I need Jesus to save my life. 
And today, if, if you are saved, if Jesus has done that in your life, and, and today you're just not passionate about it, you don't have that just bursting out of you, it's today is the day to hit our knees at the altar and beg God for forgiveness for not living it like we should. Maybe today is the day some of y'all need to go get the passion of the Christ out again and watch it. Some fake actor, you know, acting like Jesus just to see what it might have looked like, just so we could get this depth of understanding of how rich the love and passion of Jesus is for us. It should change us. It should make us want to go. So today, if that's you, you don't have that passion to leave here and tell someone about Jesus, come hit your knees with me. And let's beg God for forgiveness that he would revive our hearts and lead us out of here with passion. So this is your chance. Here in a minute, I've got my freedom team that's going to come down. My deacons that are going to come down. They're just going to be along here. If you need prayer, you need somebody to pray alongside you, come grab one of them. There will be women up here with our freedom team. They would love to pray with you. So women, if you don't feel comfortable talking to a man, they'll be here with you. But listen, there should be no one in this room that shouldn't have something to get on our knees and ask God to do something in our lives about. May God win our day, and may he change our very lives. Lord, would you win in our lives today and remind us that you know our hearts. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, God, I ask that you would allow us to have a real moment. May we be passionate about the fact that we are all sinners saved by grace by a holy and loving Savior named Jesus. Lord, may we never be okay with just being okay with you. Lord, you are the Savior and Lord of our lives. And Lord, may we have a deep passion to share as though people saved from drowning in sin and tell others that it's not safe to swim in those waters. And Jesus, I pray for those in this room that are, are going through the motions of the Christian experience and not even connecting with you as a holy, saving Lord of our lives. Lord, they've got all the outside appearances, but inside is, it's just not savory. It's not good. God, you built us to be incorruptible. Lord, you built us to, to seek your face and to live in you. So, Father, may you begin that work in us today. May we never, ever be the same as we walked in today. May we be broken before a holy God and then passionate to go share every, with everybody around us the greatness of Jesus Christ, the reason we have hope. Death has no win. Its sting is not felt because of your great name. Lord Jesus, may you speak over us now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Why don't you